we have an opportunity to move in this neighborhood with the Holy Spirit, right? How do we do that? We do that through prayers and petitions with thanksgiving. We take our requests to God, and the peace of God will guard our hearts, our souls, our mind in Christ Jesus. That's in Philippians somewhere. I'm guessing two or four. I can't remember which one. I think it's four. Yeah, I'm getting closer. I'm always say 13, but I might be jumping to conclusions there. So, oh, six and seven. Now it's, now it's almost within five verses. Oh, boy. Maybe I better pray again. <laughs> but I heard some, heard some news this week that be really encouraging. Um, can't share necessarily, but we need to just be in prayer for this community and what the challenges that he has uh, faced us with and given us the responsibility to take on. That is so important to take those requests to the Lord, right? We're going to talk about that a little bit in our first point. This morning we're going to be talking about disciple making. We're taking a break, like I said, from Genesis chapter 25, and we'll pick that back up in January. Um, we're going to be going through a youth retreat, and then there'll be a Thanksgiving sermon, I think. I don't know. Is that what you're going to be talking about? Actually, no. Ooh. <laughs> Craig's going to give the message in, in two weeks, so that's exciting as well. And then we are going to... Um, go into our Christmas series right after that. So it'll be about five weeks in that. Uh, Christmas Sunday, I do not think we're going to have church. I think we are going to have um, the Christmas Eve service, and that's what we're going to do. So uh, we'll, we'll do that as well. We have the candlelight service, and so we'll make it more like a regular church service, and uh, which is pretty close to what it usually is anyway. But I'll probably give just a little bit longer sermon that night. And that way we can enjoy Christmas with our families. So that kind of gives you a preview. New Year's Day, I hope, well, we're going to have regular church. So I don't know what you're going to be doing the night before, but uh, that day, I know, know where I'll be. I'll be right here. So um, praise God for that. So what does a first century Jesus-like disciple making look like in the 21st century Western world? Why did I put Western world in there? It's because Jesus and Judaism is an Eastern religion. So if you read your Bible and you want um, a chronological order, about the only place you're going to find that is in the book of Luke. Okay, If you want to read the Gospels chronologically, Luke does the best job of doing that. Otherwise, it's, it's not. You go to Matthew, you're not going to get chronological error. He jumps all over. He, he's like, this is important. I wrote this. He, wrote, he said this all together. And then he said this all together. And he puts it in by topics. And, and this is the major important things that go along there. Mark is, reads kind of like a, a bulletin. So like a newspaper or magazine article. So he's like, here's the hot topics. And so that's what the, it was primarily a, a Roman audience. And so he's like, they just want the facts. Here's what happened going through. John writes as Jesus's best friend. Uh, John fills in a lot of the Jewishness of the time, and so he comes in and fills in. This is where things happen according to the festivals that are in Jewish tradition. Here's where Jesus fulfilled them in his ministry. Because they were saying, well, was Jesus Messiah? didn't finish this. John's like, well, let me write another gospel. And so uh, um, he does that right before the fall of Jerusalem. So, the first point I put together, 
Um, if I were to wear my blue shirt today, I would have said TW, right? Time with. That's how I've defined it many times in the past. But our first bulletin this point this morning is together. John chapter 3, verse 22. This is early on in Jesus' ministry. As you look at John, he does a really good job of talking about the first two years of ministry. The synoptic gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, because they are very similar to each other, that's why they're called the synoptic gospels. Um, they come in and they say um, a lot of things that happened in Jesus' last year. Okay, They talk about a little bit when Jesus was born, a little bit when he was a child at 12, and then they jump right to his last year of ministry for the most part. Okay, John kind of fills in some of those uh, gaps at the beginning. And in John chapter 22 is when he's first picking out his disciples. It says, Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went to the Judean countryside where Jesus spent some time with them there. Okay? What does it... I left out the last part of that verse where it says baptizing many people. Well, what I believe that Jesus is teaching them is how to do the baptizing. Okay? Because if you look at John, you see him call them in John, right? John chapter 3 is when he calls his disciples. Or John chapter 1, excuse me, is when he calls his disciples and then you see them show up again. He calls them in Luke. I think it's chapter 10. It's right around in there. 8 to 10, somewhere in there. And he's out on the boat with Peter. And he says, um, drop your nets, come follow me. Well, what I've come to conclusion with Bill Allison and, and friends of different pastors around, if you stick these in chronological order, John chapter 1 comes first where he says, hey, Follow me by day and fish at night. You come, we'll spend some time together. Uh, you still need to supply for your family. I need to still supply for my ministry. We're still getting things together. And then, and then in, in Luke, in those later chapters, I'm not sure which one it is. Um, might be seven because eight's when the, the ladies start supporting him. Um, he says, uh, drop your nets and come follow me. Right? He says, um, I am going to make you fishers of men. We're going to take, not only are you going to support me in this, but I'm going to, we're going to walk out in faith and you're going to be supported throughout um, by the ministry. And that's kind of like, whoa, moment. And Peter was like, get away from me, you're holy, and I'm not. <laughs> so he had to come to Jesus' moment, right? And so... Here's where he trains them. He shows them how, this is how you disciple. This is how you come alongside somebody. This is how you baptize. This is why we baptize. This is all the things. This is the training that's going to happen. It happens in John chapter 3, verses 22. That's where I really believe. So when you think about those people that you need to spend time with, Jesus takes 12 people and he pulls them close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships, Right? So Jesus is Jesus, being him, being perfect. He wants a complete number, which is a good number, which is 12. And you see that throughout uh, Genesis. We've seen the number 12 come through. And what do we see? We see it like a lot of times it's a family group, and it's also when it's complete. When it comes together, it's a full thing. So Jesus takes 12. I'm not Jesus. So I'm going to go with about three or four, right? So on your bulletin there, you see... Four blanks on there. It says where you live, where you play, where you um, work, and where you church. 
So who are people that you can pull close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships? Do you have people where you live, in your household? Who can you pull close and say, hey, I want to go deeper with our faith when we have time together? Will you do this with me? What about where you play? Maybe it's after school sports. Maybe it's after after work curriculum. Maybe it's at the gym. Um, maybe um, it's your best friend named Jim, but with a J. Nothing. <laughs> Man, that was good. I got to say, that was worth a little chuckle at least. Uh, maybe it's where you work, right? Um, and maybe it's where you church, right? So think about those people that cross your path on a regular basis. Who can you come alongside and be praying for, primarily praying for, okay? And then ask them, making that next step and say, hey, I know we get together. I know you're a Christian. I would really love if we could just spend some time reading a verse or two and just praying over. Uh, You know, I need the Lord. I need him a little bit deeper. I know you would always would. Do you ever have those friendships that inevitably you start talking about Jesus more and more and more? Do you ever have those people? And it's like they just pull you in and they, you draw in. If you don't, one, that should, you should have some red flags up. And two, if you do, you should be like, yeah, well, how can you get more time with that person? What can I do to have more time? What can I do to make this happen? Okay? Maybe you know a guy and he's like, man, I'd love to get more time with you, but I need a babysitter. It's like, dude, I'm paying for your babysitter so we can get some time together. Okay? How much is it worth to you to have more time with Jesus? It's going to cost time, talent, and treasure, right? The three T's. Don't, don't, don't. He brought up the three T's in church. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, this is, this is my go-to. I love this stuff. Disciple making is, is what I love, all right? So think of those four names that cross your path. This is something that you should be able to take out of your bulletin, write down and put it on your bathroom mirror so you're praying for them every single day. How can I uh, encourage them? Can I send them a text? Can I do, um, how can I be praying for you this week? Things of that nature, right? So what does church, what does a church that is practicing Jesus-like disciple-making look like on a given Sunday? What do you think it looks like? Like, what would your ideal church be, maybe? For me, I think it would be a place where people are able to feel vulnerable. Like, they can come alongside and they could say, dude, I struggle with this. I'm addicted to this. I'm struggling with this. I have this. I have this anxiety that's going on in my life. And i got to take it to the altar, and I need somebody to take it with. Will you go out there with me and pray over this thing? Right? Is that easy to do? Hey, I suck. I'm going to go to the altar now. <laughs> Will you come with me? No, it's not. Nobody wants to admit that we suck. Right? But in the presence of God, don't we all kind of suck? You never thought you'd hear suck in the sermon so many times, did you? <laughs> oh, you laughed that one. <laughs> right? But we do. We've all fallen short of God's glory. And so... We are all at the same starting place. It's, okay, that's who you were. What are we going to do next? What are we going to do to rectify that? That's who I was. I don't want to be that person anymore. I think we have a desire to be good, don't we? I mean, generally, 
if you ask somebody, don't they generally say, well, I think I'm a good person? Or here's a better one. You ever been to somebody's funeral where you're kind of like, well, as a Christian, I know where he's going, and he didn't make it, <laughs> right? But you hear that, you, you go into that sermon, and, and they're like, oh, he would, he would give the shirt off his back to anybody, and he would do that. And you're like, is that the same guy? Because this is, no, this is two different people, right? People get deluded about their goodness, don't they? That's called self-righteousness. And when you try to get to heaven on your own self-righteousness, it's like filthy rags when you get up there. You're not prepared to walk into the wedding feast. And Christ will say, depart from me. I never knew you. And that to me scares me a little bit. That's what we'll be talking about next week. Matthew chapter 25. So that'll be fun. I love that chapter too. So you're gonna, I'm going to be bringing it dead tired next week. So just warning you. All right. Um, I think there would also be community. You'd have community that would come along and there'd be a celebration together. And I think we're getting to that really well at White Rose. Uh, I think we come alongside one another and really build each other up. Did you see Shake and Howdy time this morning? Did you see how you didn't come in to... um, You sat out in the... To fellowship with one another. I love that. I don't care that you're not in here when we first start the first song. You know, maybe by the end of the first song it'd be kind of nice. But uh, um, fellowship is important too, right? That's why we come early. Come 15 minutes early. I want to spend time. Hey, you know, not only 15 minutes early, I want to come a half an hour early so we can pray off in pastor's office. I probably have to clean it a little bit, but, um, or in the nursery. Um, before the service, I want to be praying for our church. And would you do that with me? We'll just take some time. And then when people come in, we don't really have a greeting crew here, but we could greet them right at the door and we'd be ready for them. Right? That's why I love how that is opened up in that hallway now. So we have that little congregation place to sit down and uh, talk to Judy and Judy and all the other ones, right? Yeah. I got you in there. I love Judy. Yeah. Judy squared, right? And it's a blessing, you know? It's a blessing to come in and see that. That is an important part of community. That's an important part of church. How do we know that? Insert COVID, right? Take that out of your life. And it was like, whatever I can do to make an excuse to get together with people, I'm doing it. Do we have to clean at the food pantry together, Judy? Let's go do that, right? Um, Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And that's what we want to do. And that's what we want to bring here, right? And I think it would help us if we were a little less concerned. Well, I'll say it. I was going to say this, but maybe about we'd be a little bit more concerned about our neighbor and making sure that We had coffee and donuts for them, maybe not for us kind of thing, but maybe a little less concerned about the coffee and donuts in general. Make sure they have prayer and petition that they know that somebody's got their back. And maybe we're not too concerned about the heating and cold, which we don't get complaints about that. Uh, But I'm just thinking about the bills, you know, it takes money to turn the lights on and stuff. 
half our budget about goes to cr- curriculum and things. The other half goes to me. I mean, that's that's where we're at right now. Um, so, and I appreciate that. That's I'm not making light of that, but that's that's where our reality is with our budget. Um, but we also need to be that have that concern for our neighbor when we come alongside each other here. It is training ground to take that out there, right? When we're walking, Mika, right? Judy, Miss Judy does that so well. You build community through your dog, right? That's that's it's amazing. We do it through our kids. Green and white night. Um, Brandy, she's volunteered down at the school as a picture person, and she gets down there, and all those kids, they know her. Um, I volunteer as coaching and things. They know me. And it is important that they know us so we can introduce them to Jesus Christ. Right? We are a conduit. We are not Jesus. White Rose ain't the answer. We are a conduit to the answer, which is Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's right. So, we have some reasons why we have to raise some money for things around here, but there's also, we gotta have the important things the important things which is Jesus Christ so what are think about some of the things that you do well think about some of the things that you do well that you you're doing correctly because you are uniquely you are you not and God has designed you to be that way so hey let's rejoice in those things Thank God that I'm able to, to be a people person. Thank God that I'm able to put a sermon together on Sunday because I couldn't do that maybe 20 years ago. And praise God I can sing because I know I couldn't, I couldn't play the guitar a lick um, to save my life. And honestly, I, it happened when I said, I'm going to give this to you. And I've always given it to him ever since. My music, anything that I listen to, and this doesn't have to be with you, but this is something that... The Lord has given me, it's hard for me to listen to other music other than Christian music now because it has such a big influence on my life. I can, it'll just take me down a rabbit hole I don't want to go on anymore. So I have, I listen to Christian music almost primarily all the time, except for some pregame music. Sawyer's getting me into the, a few things, but I, I still, I don't watch, listen to those very much compared to the others. <laughs> And then where are some of the places we can improve? Because if you got something that you're going to give thanks to, Lord, we also want to take our supplication, which is, means, what, what do I need to work on? Okay? I need to be more patient. I need to come alongside. What can I do there? So we need to follow Jesus' example. Bless you. In Mark chapter 13, or chapter 3, 13 and 14, it says, Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain... And called out to the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve of them. And called them his apostles. They were there to accompany him. And he would he would send them out to preach. Does anybody know what verse 15 says? And to cast out demons. That's what 15 says. And then he goes on and names the twelve apostles. Why do you think that Mark... Matthew, Mark, and Luke put all, all of them put their names in there specifically. I think that was important. I think God is a God 
who loves us by our names. I think that sets an example for how we should love those around us as well. And that comes back to those four names on your sheet. You need to have specific people that you're praying for. And we want, Jesus took those people around them. He hung out with them every day. He says, come do life with me. See how I do it. And then let's put it into practice in your life. And he drew them closer for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships. Literally, because it was Jesus. Right? Um, when I grew up, I had a group. And we hung out together every single night. Our parents, my parents went and searched for kids for me to hang out with. Because my kids at my friends at school, they're okay. They're good people, but they didn't love Jesus like like with all their heart, maybe just by in name. Uh, you know, I go to church, kind of kind of Christian, and we were searching for kids that love Jesus and they want so we hung out at their house all the time, every single night during the summer, every weekend we were we were there, hung out all the time. And that group, not only, so we're like, okay, we're hanging out a lot. Let's do something else. So on Wednesday nights, we're going to have a Bible study. So we had a Bible study on Wednesday nights. And then not only that, we had Sunday night youth. And we had another Bible study on Sunday night. And then we went and hung out with each other after that too. And we spurred each other on in the gospel. And sometimes, now I'm not saying all those guys became wonderful Christians and things, but uh I know they knew their gospel and they knew their Bible by the end of it, right? Some of them have turned away, some of them have come back, and some of them um, have never turned away at all. And it's, it's I, I wonder if I didn't grow up in a group like that, what happened to my faith, right? Yeah, it's easy to see. So who am I going to grow now with? Who am I going to grow now with? So that comes back to what does first century Jesus-like disciple-making friendship look like in the 21st century Western world is drawing others close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships. How can I get time with you? What can we do to make this happen? Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 1, verse 12. It says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. But I also want to be encouraged by yours. Paul wants to be encouraged by somebody else. Paul, I think of like, okay, level of Christian. I'm like, Jesus, gone, right? Uh, Paul is up in here, right? And then I'm down here somewhere, right? So Paul, I'm thinking, but he, he has expectations for me. So when we get together... I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by what you're doing for the Lord Jesus Christ too. So you better become prepared when we meet together to share that. What, what's going on? Man, I've been praying this prayer and it just keeps coming up and up and up. I don't know. I just keep praying the prayer. Maybe that's all you have to share. Well, that's kind of boring. But when that prayer gets answered, whoo, doggy, you got a story that day, don't you? That's right. So... Jesus is a way of life, right? Jesus living is a way of life. Is disciple-making way of 
Jesus' way of life is a disciple-making way of life. And what should our lives look like in 1 Corinthians chapter 11? And you, this is Paul saying, you should imitate me just as I am imitating Christ. Right? Two generations right there, can't you? Actually, you can see three. You should imitate me who's imitating Christ. There's your three, right? That's kind of exciting. Okay? So as you see someone doing, you should copy them and teach somebody else to do. Do you see that discipling? That puts a little pressure on us, doesn't it? Well, we'll get to that in a second. We should be reflections of Jesus. After all, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it says, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Right? Pastor, you keep, pre- you keep preaching on that verse. Every it keeps coming up. Well, maybe the Lord's convicted me on that one too, right? Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Right? That's how I get that one rhythm in there. Um, what does it look like? It looks like love, right? Love for God and love for your neighbor. How do you love your neighbor? You love God. How do you love God? You love your neighbor. Right? Love requires what? Hey, hey, they're paying attention. Woo! Yes. What does love look like? It looks like Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. If anyone of you wants to be my follower, he must give up your very own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Do you hear that? If you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Whoa. How? How does that work? Love requires sacrificial action. Jesus set the example in that, did he not? He gave up his life for us. There's no greater love than this, that a man give his life up for uh, someone else. And that's what Christ Jesus has done for us. So we need to imitate Jesus. We need to set the example for others to know what Jesus looks like. We look at our kids. My kids, I say, I watch them. They are watching me. How do I know they're watching me? This morning, Mr. Passive-Aggressive Sawyer um, drops one down on me. Well, if somebody would have got breakfast <laughs> for me, that sounds just like me. I was like, oh boy. His <laughs> mom says, I wonder where you got that one from. I don't know. Well, got to go. <laughs> right? They're watching. Is it their responsibility to break generational sin? No, it is ours. If it breaks with us, they don't have to go through it. It stops in the little things. When you take control of the little things and you ask God to take control in the big things and the little things, it is easy to walk through that. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel because Jesus is that light shining it. He's not only shining at the end of the tunnel, he's putting it at your next step. This is where you go. He promises he is the light unto your feet. And to your path, right? That's the Shane House paraphrase there. How do we find this out? 
Well, if we're students of our teacher, then we need to know what Jesus has to say, right? We got to study the teacher. So we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read your Gospels. Think about this. If we want to be a Talmud, which is a student of our rabbi, shouldn't we study the rabbi? You know what that means? When you are in Jewish culture, if somebody calls you to follow them like Jesus called, it means not only do you learn how to live like Jesus, you live to the extreme. When Jesus goes to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom. When he, Jesus ties his shoe a certain way, you tie your shoe the same way Jesus does. That's how. That's what a Talmud would do to a rabbi. So if we're going to learn how to tie shoes, folks, we got to read the Gospels. It's in there. Just kidding, it's not. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Right? You can see the compassion that Jesus has and who he has it on and how he does it. Right? You can come alongside and watch how Jesus comes alongside the woman at the well and looks at the example that he's setting and that we put that into practice in our lives and we set that for our children. And maybe they're children's children. Right there you got D1, D2, D3. Right? You've, you've stepped into a new role. It never stops. You don't retire as a Christian. Right? What happened to Moses when he tried to retire? Hey, I got like a million disciples for you. And he's like, oh, that's funny. No, seriously, that's what I got. Right? We're, they're all going to wander out in the desert and you're going to have to listen to all their complaints and things. So the next 40 years, have fun. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. But I'll be with you. And so he's like, okay. Right? Moses had it rough. Rough. But he learned a lot during those times too. We can learn a lot too. We can still have room to grow. When we are setting that example, because really, aren't we setting an example all the time? Good or bad? I just gave an example how I was setting not the great examples for my son Sawyer. When we are setting examples, setting ourselves apart, that's when Christ takes the lead because the Lord is going to bring people across our path whom we should be discipling. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. This is in the NIV. I think it reads a little bit better, but it, it's the same message. It says, Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I am sending you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. It's one way you can find the truth, folks. Do they teach the same message consistently across all the time? If they do, that's something to be excited about because you find somebody that's going to, that's going to teach the truth. And notice how he says, I urge you, to imitate me. For this reason, I'm sending you Timothy. I'm giving you an example to follow. My son, whom I love. Was it really his son? No, Paul didn't have any kids. It was his spiritual son. Okay? It's a kid that's like, man, I want this kid to grow up to be uh, a Jesus discipler. I can see it in him. He can do this. He is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of, the, of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees 
with everything I teach in every church. Okay, So you have Paul to Timothy to the church at Corinth. Three generations again. 2 Timothy 2, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. This is our call to worship this morning. Timothy, my dear son, be, be strong with the grace that God has given you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teaching these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to others, trustworthy people, who will be able to pass them on to others. Really, you can pull off six generations in that one if you really look at it. So it says, from Christ Jesus to Paul, from Paul to Timothy. So then you back up and say, from Paul to Timothy, Timothy to others who can teach who can teach others. So there's kind of five there, right? If you count Paul twice, then you can say six. But he is looking in the past. This is what I've, ta- I've learned from Christ. We've learned these truths. They are there. Okay? They've been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. I've taught you. Now you teach others who teach others. This world is going to hell. And we're the only ones out there that the Lord has put to stop it. Whether we look back or forward in Paul and Timothy's ministry, we can see the disciple-making happening. Why not here with each one of us? Why not you? Why not me? Well, Pastor, I don't know how. I don't know how. Well, one, I would ask you, have you asked? Because it's pretty simple. Jesus never makes anything too difficult. I'm not saying it's easy to follow the Lord all the time because we know our sin is waging against us all the time, is it not? Right? So that struggle is always there, but he's always there quick to forgive us too. But it's simple, meaning it is like one plus one equals two. Simple, right? Not like 1,048 minus seven divided by 43 and uh, carry the nine, right? Squared. I have no idea what you just said. Exactly. That would not be simple at all, would it, CJ? <laughs> Seriously, though. But Jesus said... <clears throat> Love God, love others, make disciples. Pretty simple. How do I do that? I die to self. Love requires sacrificial action, so I'm going to die to self. I'm going to put their needs before mine. Whew. That's simple, but it ain't easy. Right? Okay. So let's try this. Can you get together with your friends and read your Bible? I can do that. We could we could do a chapter every time we got together. Well, that's what it takes to make disciples and spur each other on. Then you can start right now in disciple making. And I can get you simple questions that can help you pull out some of those truths that you can use every single time. That's what we do up in youth on Thursday nights. And I could train you how to Start a disciple group, your very own. It's simple. Um, two or three guys together. It's a D group, disciple group. Because remember, God did not call the qualified. He qualified the called. Right? He doesn't wait till you're okay. Now you arrived. You got your degree in disciple making. No, he says, man, I really feel on my heart. I need to do this. 
I think I'm going to stink at it. And he's like, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want. I want willing and is not any good at it, right? Because who's going to be the strong one in that relationship? Is it going to be you or is it going to be God? It's going to be God, right? Jesus is going to show up big time in that disciple-making group because you're willing, but you're weak. So God's strength will well up inside of you and you will have an opportunity to see God work. And you'll be like, that totally wasn't me what happened today, right? Yes or no? That's, his word says that. It does say that. He uses the strong, or the weak to shame the strong, the foolish to shame the wise. That's what it's talking about there. Where, well, I don't know my Bible. Well, you're foolish, right? You're ignorant. You read it together. This comes together. Christ shows and reveals his scripture to you. Now you got a little bit more wisdom to go along with that. That was only revealed through the Holy Spirit. And if you have some questions on that, then you can ask your pastor as well. That's kind of what I'm here for. Right? God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. If you're not qualified to do something, but you know the Lord has put it in your heart to do, then he just might be calling you to on-the-job training, right? And if it works, then he gets the glory. Because someone who is so unexperienced like ourselves can't have pulled that off without help. And the people on the outside, they're like, well, I don't even know how he did that. I've never seen him act like that way before. He's like, I didn't do it. It was Jesus, right? He gets the glory. Something good happens, he gets the glory. You pass that along. We're kind of it, remember? Goes with that too. So what does the first century Jesus-like disciple-making look like in the 21st century Western world? Is drawing others close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships through prayer and reading the Bible to know it. Romans 15, 2 and 3 says, We should help others. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ did not live to please himself. And Philippians 5, 2, 5 says, We should have the same attitude as Jesus had. That whole passage there is awesome, by the way. Philippians chapter 2. God is building. This is our last point. It's shorter. I know. I've been long-winded today. I could keep going, but... God is making a good work in His people. Why'd you say it that way, Pastor? Why'd you say, why is God building a good work? He is. But God is making a good work in His people because it's continuing all the time. Believer, this is for you. This is for you. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 tells us, And now, just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down in Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth and your, that the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. How should we then live? How should we then live? Ephesians 5, 2. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice, a pleasing aroma to God. When we studied Revelation, when we saw the, the bowls of fragrance of incense in front of God in heaven, what were they filled with? Do you remember? They were filled with the prayers of the saints. 
when you pray to God in humility, it is a pleasing aroma to Him, and He is has a desire to work. Does it happen right away? No. But does He put the plans in action right away? Yes, He does. How do I know that? Daniel. As soon as he prays, God puts, sends an angel. The angel didn't get there for two weeks. I left right when you prayed. I left right when you prayed. Satan didn't want me to get me through. Right? That's why we need to take our requests to God. And the peace of God will guard our hearts, our souls, our mind in Christ Jesus. The path is clearly defined. And that requires sacrificial action. But doesn't make it easy. But anything worth doing is worth doing well. So maybe you start doing it poorly, but you keep practicing and you keep doing over and over and over. And soon you will be able to do it well, right? It's like riding a bike. You fall down a couple times, you get back up and get back on that bike and you keep riding. You got to have courage. You got to be able to say that I can do this. Did he move mountains? Yes, he did. So yes, I can. Right? That's what we're saying about this morning. Huh. Actually, yeah, sometimes I put them together like that. Anything worth doing is worth doing well. Meaning if if you go at your faith walk like it's a stroll in the park, well, I'm going to tell you, you're probably going the wrong way. Because I've never walked with... Christ for very long and not come upon some trouble at some point in time, right? Satan does not want this world to go to heaven. He will oppose us. And he uses other people to do that. I'm not saying that he is in them. Sometimes he is with his minions. But sometimes it's just, well, you're not for the Lord. I'm not for the Lord. We're going to work together. Anyway, my enemy is my friend kind of thing because we're all going to end up the same place. They will. If we don't rescue them. With the good news of Jesus Christ, right? So, I don't know about you, but my God called me to go against the flow. He taught me how to swim upstream when everybody else is going back out to the ocean. He called me to be something different. That's the name of my youth group. That's the name of my ministry everywhere I go. Swim upstream. John 16, 33b says... Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus is one. I follow Jesus, therefore I get to be a winner by default, even though I lose every day, right? When I surrender to him, when I ask for forgiveness, and I come to him in humility, he will lift me up. I believe trials are indicators of faith. When you're going through trials, either Satan doesn't want you to go where you're going, or God's getting your attention to change your direction around to the right place, right? Trials are an indicator of faith. Are you going to follow, or are you going to flee? That's what it comes down to. Friends, God is building His church. What kind of materials is the Lord working with in your life? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 9C through 11 says, You are God's building because God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, 
But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one we already have, which is Christ Jesus. Have you checked your foundation lately? Are you building on Christ Jesus or are you building on something else? A lot of times we, we put a name on something that we think is Christ Jesus, but it really isn't. It's our self or it's our self-righteousness. So we need to evaluate our foundation. Are you preaching his death and resurrection that it's your salvation? Or I'm, I'm a good person. Because I'm a good person, it's not going to cut the mustard. That's self-righteousness. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, Therefore come out among the unbelievers and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Do not touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. Turn to the expert builder. Find your foundation in his word. Live a life that is focused on Him, a life of worship, because we all worship something. We all worship something. Are we going to choose to worship God, or are we going to choose to worship sin or ourself? But we all choose to worship something. Uh, the old song says, we're all going to serve somebody, right? You're going to have to serve somebody. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. Jesus tells, or Paul tells us to, to be careful about what foundation we are building on. I want to close with the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verses 4, 24 through 27. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes down in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beats against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my Teaching does not obey it is foolish, like a person who builds his house on the sand. When the rain and floods come down, the winds beat against the house and it will collapse with a mighty crash. Jesus is talking about the wadis over in Israel. The water comes down off the mountain and there's the high ground, which is the bedrock, and then there's these deep <coughs> valleys that are cut down through there from all the water that comes down from the mountainside after it rains. And so they they have to go down low to get water, and it makes sense if you build your house down by the water because then you don't have to carry it as far until the spring rains come, or the rainy season comes in their case, and it washes your house away, Right? Water is a good thing until you get too much of it. Water in a house is nice to have, unless it's where someplace you don't want it to go. <laughs> right? What does first century Jesus-like disciple making look like in the 21st century, 21st century Western world? How do we get on board? What's the next move for White Rose? Well, come January, we're going to start this foundations class again, right? We'll have to deal with a little bit of worship team practicing during that time. We'll have to figure out where we're going to meet. We're going to have to figure out child care if, if we need it. There's a sign-up sheet out there. Um, if you're interested in foundations class, it's on the, on the Welcome Center. 
It'll probably start at 8.30. That means you're going to have to get up earlier in the morning. But we got to come together. You can't just grow by coming and listening to me preach on Sunday morning. It ain't going to happen. All right? It's, you have to put in an effort. I can't pull you to heaven. Okay? Um, the old saying is, it's easier to pull somebody down than lift somebody up, right? And so if we're all pulling the same, same direction toward Jesus Christ, that is the way to go. And I'm gonna, the next thing I'm going to challenge you with, the reason why we haven't had Sunday school in the past is because we get the first Sunday we have like 10, 20 people show up. The next Sunday, we have about 10 people show up. The next Sunday, we have five people show up, and that's it. And so, if you've ever taught anybody anything, that gets a little discouraging, I'm going to tell you. And so, if you commit to it, please commit to it for the whole quarter. All right? If you can't commit to it, then don't. Don't. But I think you should be compelled to want to know your Savior more. It's going to be a very good class, and I'm very excited about it. Okay? So that's something that we need to be praying over. And if i got to watch your kids while you go to Sunday school class, I am all about that. Um, I've heard kids like me sometimes. So, Going through disciple making. I want you to open your bulletins up if you got them there. To the disciple maker's prayer. If not, you can pretend like you're lip singing along with me. Uh, maybe you got it memorized. That's all right. Maybe you don't. Let's close with this. It says, Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me a disciple making way of life in Christ Jesus. As I go through every part of this day, help me to love you and to love the people who cross my path, starting with my family. Don't let me miss the adventures you are sending my way to live and to speak the good news about Jesus today. Draw my heart to you and to specific people you want me to pull close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships. By your word and spirit, transform me into a follower of Jesus who loves you, loves people, makes disciples, who makes more disciples, ad infinitum. In Jesus' name, amen.